We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Well, welcome everybody to uh, another installment of uh, Monday Midrash, both in here at Temple Beth Arrow and out there in cyberspace. Um, hi to everybody uh, joining us. Um, I see Rabbi Paskin is with us. Hi, Rabbi. And, uh, and others as well, so it's nice to see you. Um, if uh, for both here and virtually, um, this is you know uh, free format, so we'll study a little bit, but uh, feel free to interject with comments and questions. I'll try to uh, follow um, the, as best I can the questions and comments on uh, Facebook Live too, so we can throw them into the mix as well. Um, and hi, David Perry, nice to see you. Um, okay, so we are um, uh, on um, still in the first chapter of Breshit Rabba, uh, Midrash number six. So it's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six pages in uh, toward the bottom of that sixth page. So there's in the middle of the page is a number six. You see it? Okay. Um, Let's see, I think Harry read last week. Nancy, would you be, did you read last week, Nancy? No, okay, so Nancy, would you, uh, would you read and we'll, we'll, we'll start it off and we'll, it's going to get pretty, uh, pretty heady pretty quick. Oh, great. <laughs> Rabbi Yehudah Bar Simon opened with, he reveals the deep and secrets. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. Okay, just just so we remember as a refresher, right? This is customary. This is sort of common of uh, these types of midrashim. Uh, they were homilies, right? They were like sermons on Shabbat morning, and so they would try to. Um, they wouldn't start by talking about the parsha. Uh, that wasn't interesting enough. They would start by bringing in some obscure verse from somewhere else and try to then connect it to the parsha. Uh, and so here you have a verse starting with from, uh, from the book of Daniel. Anytime anybody brings the book, uh, something from the book of Daniel, I don't know if you've ever read the book of Daniel, um, it's, uh, you know, the, the story of Daniel in the lion's den is, um, you know, is like the most accessible uh, part of Daniel, and uh, the rest of it is almost unrecognizable in terms of its, uh, um, uh, that kind of literature in the Hebrew Bible, uh, in the Jewish Bible. Um, it's, um, it's it's what they what what you might call um, an apocalypse, right? So an apocalypse means um, uh, a, a sort of you know uh, an an esoteric uh, uh, um, symbolic vision of a future of a pro, uh, prophetic vision, right? So it's not the normal kind of prophecy that like Amos or or Isaiah would have about uh, some future time, uh, but rather it uses sort of like uh, symbolic imagery um, uh, and like secret, you know, coded language uh, to talk about 
future events, although it may be actually talking about present uh, present events. But that's the kind of so. If you ever read the book of Revelation in the New Testament, that's like sort of the classical example of, of an apocalyptic book. Uh, but Daniel has several chapters uh, that are like that as well. Um, it's also, uh, I think, the only book of the Bible that's written primarily in Aramaic rather than Hebrew. Um, so Daniel's Daniel's weird. Um, so anyways, anytime, anytime Daniel's quoted. The quote that I did for Nathaniel's Talus bag came from, he couldn't speak Natanael, but I couldn't find that, Natanael, something else, I can't remember the rest of it, but it came from Daniel. It came from Daniel, yeah. Um, okay, he reveals the deep. This is hell, as it says. And then from Proverbs 9, verse 18, he does not know there are spirits. And it says from Isaiah 30, verse 33, and large and secret. All right, so well, let's just take it one piece at a, uh, at a time. We'll, we'll go back over this, right? Because this is, again, like we had in the last Midrash, you know, there's sort of like, there's the larger Midrash that's going to be happening and then sub-Midrashes, right? So this is sub-Midrash. This is like, you know, um, like kind of like an aside in, in a way, right? So first taking this book of Daniel, which is really not what the Midrash is about, Right, so we're going to do a little bit of midrash on that verse, which is not really what we're focused on in the first place. Right, so when it says the deep in the book of Daniel, it's talking about hell. Uh, in uh, in Hebrew, it's ge- gehinom. Um, sometimes it's, sometimes people pronounce it gehenna, gehinom. Um, uh, there's a whole kind of uh, you know literary history of that idea. Um, I know that many of you may have learned at some point in religious school uh, that Jews don't believe in hell, um, and this is the hell that Jews don't believe in, right? So, um, <laughs> um, so, so far we're getting uh, very ethereal. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, so okay, so now the the sort of like sub midrash here is that when Daniel uses the word deep, right, he's talking about hell, and so. Is that how do we know he's talking about hell? Well, there are these verses in Proverbs and Isaiah, which maybe we'll go back and look at, um, that, that imply that, uh, that that language of deep, uh, uh, which uh, in Daniel, I think, is amikata, um, from the Hebrew word amok, which means, uh, which means deep. Um, and so it's Aramaic, right? So amikata is the Aramaic version of amok. Um, uh, so so it's, you could see, if you look in, over in the Hebrew, the, the verse from uh, Isaiah uh, hits that, you know, the, they're picking apart the language here. He'emik hirchiv, uh, right? So deep and large. So if we went back and looked at that verse in Isaiah, probably that verse in Isaiah is, is talking about hell in some way. Um, so there's a, um, what, uh, um, the, the technical term is a gezerah shava, um, which means that um, you learn... Um, if a word is used in one context, you can understand what that word means by looking at how that word is used in another context. And so my, my sense is, if we were to look at that verse from uh, Isaiah, or that passage from Isaiah, that passage in Isaiah would probably in some way be talking about hell in more explicit terms. Um, and so it's a, because it's talking about that, they're using the same word. Here, when we're using that word, it must mean the same thing. Okay? All right. Let's let's go on a little bit, and then maybe we'll go back. Okay. And secret, this is paradise, as it says in Isaiah four, verse six, where a cover and refuge from storm and rain. And it says in Psalms thirty-one, verse 
Okay, so just pause there, all right? So, so now we're saying about that verse from Daniel. The verse from Daniel says, Gale amikata umesatrata, that God reveals uh, the deep and the secret. Okay, so um, we actually encountered last week that the same root of samech tav reish, which means to be hidden, right? Like Esther from the book of Esther, right? She's a person who's, who, whose identity is hidden. Um, there's a concept in biblical, uh, well, it's really, uh, it's, it's a biblical concept. The rabbis elaborate on it called um, uh, Hester Panim, which is when God hides God's face, uh, you know, when, when God sort of turns away from humanity, right? Um, so that's, the, that's sort of how the root is used. So um, uh, something that's uh, uh, soter uh, is, uh, is, um, is something secret or esoteric. So here we have deep in Daniel, according to Rabbi Yehuda Bar Shimon, uh, Simon means uh, hell. Misatrata, uh, secret, is referring to heaven. And we have another sub-midrash, right, saying another Gezer Shava, uh, saying, you know, the, the same word is used in these contexts referring to heaven, so in Daniel it must mean heaven too. All right, let's keep going a little bit, and if we maybe we'll come back to some of that. Alternatively? Alternatively, he reveals the deep and secret. These are the acts of the wicked, as it says in Isaiah 29, verse 15. Woe to the ones who seek deep from God to make their counsel secret. And secret, these are the acts of the wicked, as the verse says. He knows what is in the dark. These are the acts of the wicked, as it says in Isaiah. Their acts are in the dark. The light dwells with him. These are the words. These are the acts of the righteous, as it is written. Proverbs 4, verse 18. The path of the righteous is like the light at dawn. And it says in Psalms 90, Psalm 97, verse 11, light is stone for the righteous. Okay, all right. So, uh, um, again, we uh, have another kind of like sub-midrash here, right? Um, but like an alternative one. So if you were, to, if you were making like a... Um, like an outline of this, right? You'd have, you know, um, the, the, you know, you'd have like uh, Midrash, you know, heading number one, Midrash, Breshit, Rabbah, um, uh, uh, chapter one, Midrash six, and then like, you know, uh, capital A would be uh, uh, the verse from Daniel, um, uh, sub number one would be um, uh, have the heaven and hell interpretation, and sub number two would be uh, the um, acts of the righteous versus the acts of the wicked interpretation. Okay, so in this midrash is saying that uh, when Daniel says uh, the um, uh, uh, the deep and secret, uh, the those both refer to the acts of the wicked. Um, and when Daniel says uh, the light dwells with him, that's referring to the acts of the righteous, right? And then brings uh, proof texts from a few different places to prove on, on either side. So we have one interpretation of Daniel, that Daniel's talking about uh, God revealing the secrets of heaven and hell. Uh, and another interpretation of Daniel that uh, God is uh, revealing the sort of secrets of the acts of the wicked versus the acts of the righteous. All right, let's. Uh, all right, so um, let's keep going a little bit, just so we make sure we cover, and we can go back. Rabbi Abba. Rabbi Abba. Rabbi Abba Shrugia, 
Yeah, srongaya. Yeah. In Hebrew, it's sarongaya. Uh, I've never encountered him before, um, but uh, but here he is. The light dwells with him. This is the Messiah, as it says, Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come. All right, so let, let's just pause. Okay, so, so now we have, let's say, um, uh, sub-Midrash 3, <laughs> which is the uh, uh, the Messiah interpretation, right? We have the heaven and hell interpretation. We have the righteous versus wicked interpretation. And now we have the Messiah interpretation, right? And so Rabbi Abba Srungia says, the light dwells with him, which is a quote from that verse from Daniel, right? This refers to the Messiah, um, as it says, arise, shine, for your light has come. That phrase might be familiar to you uh, because we also sing it in L'Chad Odi, Kabbalat Shabbat. Um, right, okay. Um, so now, what we, what we can do, I, I want to uh, try to like uh, cover all the ground of this Midrash before we go back and pick it apart a little bit more. Um, but what you might what you might do is okay. The, my father-in-law tells, talks to me about this about midrash. My father-in-law is is, uh, is really I think a master of midrash, uh, Rabbi Neil Rose. What he's always said to me is that a midrash really works best if you're able to go and take that interpretation, almost like a, a math equation, right, an algebra equation where there's an x and you have to solve for x. So it only works if you can plug the answer back into the equation and it actually solves the equation, right? So Midrash in that way really only works if you can take it and plug it back into the verse and have the verse make more sense or make still make sense at least um, uh, because you've plugged that back in. So you could do that. You have three different possibilities here for what that verse from Daniel means. So it'd be interesting to kind of go back and say, okay, let's plug heaven and hell in that verse. Does the verse make more or less sense plugging that back in um does if you plug in the acts of the wicked versus the acts of the righteous back into the verse from daniel read it that way does it still make sense reading it that way does it make more sense or less sense or the the messiah right plugging it back in does it make more sense or less sense so maybe we'll go and look at the actual passage from daniel and all these passages and see what you think yeah 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 (laughs) Um, so, uh, right. So it could be that, you know, I have to think about how I would outline this, but, um, uh, it could be that, that, that Rabbi Abba Srungia is not necessarily refuting the first two, at least like one side of the equation, right? So, so he might be saying that, you know, deep and secret might be referring to heaven and hell, or might be referring to righteous and wicked. But when Daniel ta- starts talking about the light dwelling with God, it's talking about the Messiah. So he might be slightly disagreeing with uh, um, the, 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 the interpretation that came immediately before that the light stands for all the righteous. Uh, but he may not be disagreeing with the others, right? He just may be adding to the understanding that, you know, Daniel's talking about he's, he reveals heaven and hell, uh, he knows what is in the darkness, right? So he, he knows the acts of the wicked and, uh, and, um, and the Messiah is with God, right? Um, yeah, um, right? David Perry uh, points out, right? So may, maybe it's setting up a, a, a dichotomy between the unrighteous or the wicked versus the Messiah, right? So it could be that it's not exactly a third alternative. It may be 
um, you could tack that on to either of the two alternatives uh, um, as a as a you know sort of like another way of looking at them or an additional piece of information. Um, but let's let's go forward and then we can go back if we want. Um, so you want to keep going, Nancy? Rabbi Yehuda Bar Simon, which which remember was the initial rabbi, right? That's the he was the initial midrashist. All right, so remember, so uh, Rabbi Yehuda Bar Simon holds both of the possibilities of what the dark and secret could mean. Could mean heaven and hell, could mean wicked and righteous, right? Um, uh, as far as I could tell, it was not a different speaker introducing that alternative, right? So Rabbi Yehuda Bar Simon said, that verse from Daniel could mean either of these two things, but ultimately what he's saying, right? And this is the, this is the Midrash, right? Um, God, uh, um, like revealed those things from the beginning of the creation of the world, right? So heaven and hell, it might be heaven and hell existed from the beginning of creation or was revealed at the beginning of creation or the wicked and the righteous was revealed from the beginning of creation. So in the beginning, God created the heavens, but it is not explained. Where is it explained? Here, Isaiah 40, verse 22, he stretches out the heavens like a curtain and the land, but it is not explained. Where is it? Uh, you know, no, 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 that's a, that's a whole new thing, yeah. right? Okay. So what's happening here? What's the Midrash? Hmm. Certain things are projected but not explained. I don't quite know where to go with that. Right. All right, so, um, so it's saying that, uh, that, that he's pointing out, I think, a problem with that first verse of Genesis. Right? The first verse of Genesis says, "Bereshit bara Elohim et hashemayim ve'et ha'aretz," but it doesn't actually. Uh, then it sort of like moves on to another topic, right? But the ha'aretz ay tato v'avohu v'ruach Elohim merachefet al pnei atahom, and so on. So, um, so in other words, like it, it you know, it, it says that that God began to create the heavens and the earth, but doesn't really say anything about the heavens and the earth. Just that God began to create those things, right? So what he's suggesting here, I think, is that um, uh, I think it's sort of a, in some way, it's a, um, it's, a, it's a practical midrash, right? So it's saying God didn't talk about it in Genesis, uh, but explains it in other places, right? So God doesn't talk about the heavens because God, uh, you know, talks about it later in the book of Isaiah. God doesn't talk about earth. God talks about that in the book of Job, right? Um, um, so that's the practical thing. The, I think, more theological thing um, is that, um, is, is, you know, if you, if you think about um, that book, that verse from Daniel, either being heaven and hell, or the acts of the wicked or acts of the righteous, or the coming of the Messiah, right? And it's saying that God revealed those from the beginning, even if the text doesn't talk about that, 
What is that saying about God and creation? That God's the creator. Okay. Can you can you push that a little bit further? God's the creator of what? Well, up to this point, um, whatever heaven is and whatever earth is, and then in the next sentence, day and night, darkness and light. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and what about where where would you put heaven and hell in that? Right. So in the, if you well, think, the heaven just like it says here, the heaven and the heaven and earth are not defined. But it goes on to say that light was good and dark. Um, Well, God declares the light good after God creates light, right? God says, uh, uh, Right. So, right. So, so uh, God says, right, in verse 3, uh, And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Now, God doesn't ever say that the darkness is bad. No. It says that it saw that the light was good. Right? So, so, the Midrash is jumping off with darkness, into all kinds of possible things, creating, even making a negative when it's not stated that way. There's no hint that that's what it is. There's nothing stated about darkness mm-hmm. at this moment. So they're creating a negative aspect to darkness in this midrash. Mm-hmm. And light, depending on how you uh, interpret it, it could be the Messiah, it could be, you know, a number of different things. It seems to me these guys are just plugging in holes. And then taking the plugs out and plugging in the holes again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what is it? I guess the question I'm asking is, what 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 does it what um, what do you take? What would you take from the? Uh, what meaning would you take from uh, the notion that uh, at the very beginning of creation, uh, God creates uh, heaven and hell? Uh, to me, that would change the ballgame. To me, at least half of that, the darkness part, hell. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that hell is not mentioned in the Bible at this point is a positive in the sense that um, um, if, it, if, if God created an explicitly, uh, an explicit <clears throat> hell and all that we think that is, um, as well as heaven, and I'm assuming that we're going to interpret what heaven is as being something extremely positive, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden the life, the life large concept over covering both darkness and light um, all of a sudden looks less positive than it was before we did that. In other words, the world is not as, as nice as the world that, as it's stated <laughs> in my deep brain. No, it's not, uh, so yeah, I think that uh, that that it introduces the um, uh, the the sense, you know, whether whether you're looking at that verse from Daniel is talking about heaven and hell, or whether you're talk, looking at it as talking about righteousness versus wickedness, right? Um, it introduces something that doesn't seem to be apparent in that opening chapter of Genesis, which is the 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 presence of evil, right? Um, of, uh, of 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 transgression of sin right and so god creates uh uh not only heaven but hell also at the beginning of creation that means that god uh foresees uh the the possibility of sin right the possibility of transgression the possibility of evil and the and the requirements of of uh, of, of a system of justice for for that right same thing with wickedness and right so 
Um, that's really, that, that may be even more radical, right? The, right? So to say that God uh, revealed the acts of the wicked, um, and right, this is because it doesn't just say God reveals wickedness, right? That there would potentially be evil, right? So it says, Elum Asehem Shal Rashaim in the Hebrew, right? These are the deeds of the, of the wicked, right? So it feels like uh, what it's saying there is that God predicted uh, or foresaw um, uh, like precisely what evil acts would be committed uh, even at the beginning of creation. Right, there's like a predetermination uh, uh, um, strand of thought there, right? That uh, that that God um, from the beginning, uh, you know, sort of baked into the cake, as it were, uh, was the the deeds of the wicked and the deeds of the righteous, right? It's, it's, it's recognizing that the humanity He's creating is capable of good and evil. Right, uh, uh, right. Now, and by the way, I mean, this is like, you know, several days in, in Genesis time before God even creates humanity, right? Um, so that's an, that adds another kind of wrinkle to it, uh, that uh, what, it's, what, what it's presuming there, I think, is that humanity is the trajectory of creation, right? The trajectory of creation is creating humanity. Maybe Rabbi Abba Srungia said that the trajectory of creation is actually the creation of the Messiah, uh, but but it hasn't been created yet, uh, or hasn't been uh, um, like has, that act of creation hasn't been completed yet of uh, delivering the Messiah. Um, uh, but yeah, right. So that you know, it, it all this sort of presupposes humanity before uh, humanity is even mentioned in in the Book of Genesis. Well, the verse twenty two in Daniel says he reveals deep and hidden things knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him so where does the darkness dwell that's yeah that's a pretty good question right if, if, if light dwells with God with whom or what does the darkness dwell well, we can look at that verse from Daniel. Why not? Now that we've kind of made our way through the whole midrash, just to kind of see where it's going. Okay. Good. Um, okay. So, um, uh, um, just so we kind of have a, um, a sense of, uh, of of what's going on here. Um, uh, uh, Daniel has three uh, companions or colleagues, wise men, named uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, um, who uh, eventually get uh, renamed in Babylonian names. Uh, my, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, so I had a conversion student in Los Angeles who uh, was, you know, sort of in the Hollywood world, and uh, I studied a little bit of Daniel with him. And he uh, he ended up taking on the Hebrew name uh, Mi, uh, Azar Michel or Azaria. Now I can't remember. And he uh, m- created a production company called Abednego Industries. So, <laughs> so it, it has it has a uh, staying power. Um, anyway, so um, there's a decree. Uh, you know, all of Daniel is sort of in the context of uh, the the Jews in exile in uh, in, in Babylon. Um, 
although it probably wasn't written then, it was probably written actually closer to the time of the Maccabees, which was about three or four centuries uh, after the exile in Babylon, um, uh, which explains, you know, one of the things that people, you know, uh, uh, ask about the books of the prophecies in the Bible is, you know, when were these things written? Well, what seems like the most likely scenario? Did they predict future events? Or were they written, you know, either contemporaneously or after the events that they're talking about, but the language that they use makes it sound like they're predicting them, right? Um, so most people think about Daniel because it talks about things that, you know, really look like what's going on around the time of the Maccabean Revolt, or maybe a little bit before it, um, that it was probably written around that time and was projecting backward, putting it in the, in the mouth of Daniel. Anyway, but so it's, it's set in the Babylonian exile. Um, and there's, you know, sort of a, 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 this kind of theme of, of persecution of, uh, of Jewish religion in, uh, in, in Babylon. So that's kind of the context. I don't think that context is really going to matter. Uh, and so Daniel gets a, 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 a mystery revealed to him in a night vision in verse 19. Uh, and Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel spoke up and said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons, removes kings and installs kings. That, by the way, is also a theme of, of Daniel, right? That uh, uh, Daniel, um, in, in some ways, doesn't make friends because of this, but is, uh, you know, reminds the king of Babylon that he's under God's authority too. And so there's that famous you know, the expression, the writing on the wall, right? That comes from the book of Daniel. There's a scene where uh, a finger comes and writes on the wall of the palace of the king of Babylon, uh, saying, if I remember correctly, it's like mene mene uh, tekel or something, and um, uh, which means like the you know the 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 days of uh, of the kingdom have been measured and completed or something like that, right? right? And um, uh, and so you know Daniel becomes famous in Babylon because he's able to go to the court of the king and interpret what the thing says. Is that Nebuchadnezzar? Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. Um, so that's where the phrase "the writings on the wall" we comes need from. Some writings on the wall. The <laughs> um, <laughs> question is, who's going to be Daniel? Um, he changes times and seasons, removes kings and installs kings. He gives the wise their wisdom and knowledge to those who know. He reveals deep and hidden things. This is our verse. He reveals deep and hidden things, knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. I acknowledge and praise you, O God of my fathers, you who have given me wisdom and power. For now you have let me know what we asked of you. You have let us know what concerns the king. Um, I'll, I'll thumb through the Hebrew uh, also while we're, while we're talking about this. So what is, is, does the context add anything here for, for you? Right, so it's in here, right? The, the the dichotomy here, you know, he he knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him, right? So the question is, like, are those meant to be parallel things, right? In other words, um, when it says light dwells with him, is that kind of a sometimes biblical poetry works like that? They use like different uh, uh, language in like two in a couplet, 
but it sort of means the same thing. It's meant to mean the same thing. So when it says, you know, light dwells with him, is that basically the same thing as saying that God knows about light things too, right? Um, is it like knowing in the biblical sense, right? That God is intimate with darkness and also intimate with light. Or are they two different things, right? God knows the darkness, but light is close by God, right? So it's like, actually, dark is not as close to God as light is. Well, I guess since so far, God created light, but he, did he create darkness? No. The, uh, the, for whatever it's worth, the... Um, the, the verse in, in the Aramaic is, uh, so who gale amikata umesatrata, right? He reveals the, the deep and the secret. Yada ma bechashocha, God knows, yodea. So that's, yodea is, is usually sort of like intimate knowledge, right? It's um, uh, um, when, you know, when, when Adam knows his wife Eve, right? That's the word that's uh, used. It's also, by the way, the same root as the, tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? So there may be some, there's, you know, that, that's usually associated with intimacy too. Um, so, yada mavachashocha, he knows what's in the dark. Unhora ime shre. Okay, and so light, um, uh, yeah, dwells with him, right? Um, so the, the translation is good, but I still don't know if it's basically saying, you know, uh, God has the same relationship with dark as with light in, in the sense of like, you know, kind of intimate personal knowledge. Yeah, the, 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 the creation line is that God created heaven and earth, but and earth included a void. And then he created light to cover some of the void. So, is so that, void, void, that void is still, so that darkness is still there. It's called darkness. He's, he's created, it's a... Um, darkness void. So. so does that mean that God did not create that darkness? No, that... it was part of what he created when he created heaven and earth. That's the way I read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and out of the darkness, he created light, still leaving, I guess, darkness somewhere where, where light didn't, didn't, uh, wasn't emitted. Right, so okay, so the, the opening, verse of Gen- opening verses of Genesis, right? Breshi bar Elohim et ha-shemayim et ha-aretz, right? Uh, in, uh, when God began to create the heavens and the earth. Ve-ha-aretz haitatov avohu, right? And the, the earth was unformed and void. Ve-ruach Elohim merachefet al-penea tahom, right? And the, and the spirit of God, you know, fluttered above the deep. Um, so, uh, you know, we don't know if it's when it says, you know, uh, the uh, the earth was unformed and void. Um, so the next thing it says was darkness over the surface of the deep. Right, right. So the void is is the darkness. Right. right, but the question I have about it is, is that pre-existing? Is that darkness that pre-existed creation, or is it something that God created in the process of creation? Right. That to me would help to answer what Daniel's saying here. Right. Is because because if it's if it's a darkness that God also created, right, and light is created to meet the darkness, right, um, then I would say that God probably has a, a similar relationship with darkness as with light, where God created both, uh, and God created light to push back the darkness. Um, uh, but if the darkness is something that uh, that that you know God is is already a presence in existence. 
um, that God is essentially fighting to, to, to make creation happen. Um, then God has, you know, God might know a thing or two about that darkness, but God isn't, it isn't with God in the same way that light is. Does that well, make sense? Yeah. The, the way it, it's written in the JPS version, I don't know whether it's the new one or the old one, but anyway, it says when God began to, when God began to create heaven, though, so he wasn't finished yet, he just started. Mm-hmm. Dash, the earth being unformed and void. So to me, that phrase is telling me that um, the earth that he had, has created to that point was unformed and void, so the so the, the formation was still coming later, and um, there was darkness over the surface of the deep with the wind from God sweeping over the water, and <clears throat> then it tells us that God created light. So the void it doesn't say that the light overcame the void because there's a reference in the next sentence that God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. So there was still darkness. And if we assume that the darkness is the void, then the void still exists somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure yeah. that the void is. I, I'm not sure that the void is synonymous with darkness because it says there was choshech al at home, right? There was darkness over the surface of the deep. Right? Am I right about that? The, is my memory correct about that verse? Right? Yeah. Right? Sorry, I was I got the language confused when I was trying to recall it from my memory. Um, so choshech, right? So so darkness and deep are actually two different things, right? Uh, the 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 void, right? The to home. Um, uh, the deep is to home. The right deep. The deep is to home. Uh, uh, tov avohu are unformed and void. Okay, so okay, so sorry. The, uh, some of these, like we call these different things because we don't really know what what they are, right? So tov avohu, um, they call they translate here as unformed and void. Uh, it could be like you know, um, it could be like tov avohu is sort of like uh, hullabaloo, you know, like like lots of chaos, right? Balagan, right? Um, so you know. It, it could not be like two different things. It could be just like a, a phrase meaning like one thing. Um, um, and to home, yeah, to home is like the, the sort of primordial deep. Um, but darkness is a different phenomenon, right? There was, there's choshech al to home. So choshech is like independent of, of all of those things. Uh, darkness is independent of all of those things. Well, we're already always going to have the darkness from the future days. <laughs> I saw this um, image once. I mean, you might have seen it before. I wish I had it with me. It was sort of like it was white and black, okay. And in the, if you, uh, when, you look at it one way, when you look at it one way, it's like two faces looking at each other, and you look at it another way. So like either the faces are all white, and the middle is blackness. Um, and so the middle, if you look at it one way, it's two faces looking at each other. If you look at it another way, there's like a chalice in the middle. Um, with just like sort of white space in the background. So what it, you know, and, and part of the exercise is if you take away the dark space, you actually don't have a picture of anything. And if you take away the white space, you also don't have a picture of anything. Uh, so you actually uh, need both white, the white space and the dark space to have a picture of anything, and you then have a picture of two things. Um, Which makes sense because if you want to talk about the concept of light, and the concept of dark, one cannot exist without the other, 
because there's no definition to light. Light is, the effect of light has no meaning if there's not darkness existing into which the light permeates. Right. And so what's... what's <laughs> um, well, that raises, that raises all sorts of really you know, profound questions um, about the nature of good and evil. Right, because uh, you know this is sort of a cliche, but but isn't doesn't that mean that on, in some way you know evil is good because without it you wouldn't be able to identify what is good, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is another way of saying saying as to the human part of it, we learn from our mistakes. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. And some never see the mistakes. Like <laughs> I can't help. I, it's it's like sitting yeah, in a dark cloud of me. I'm reading all this stuff in the news. So we had a we had a comment uh, from uh, from from cyberspace that said, "If light is the presence of God, is darkness the absence of God?" And then uh, you know there was a response to that, um, or is is light the absence of knowledge, uh, and is the absence of knowledge the absence of God? Uh, and then the response to that was, "I would say the reverse." Darkness is the absence of knowledge. You know, so if you if you look back at the language that Daniel uses, that's an interesting way of, of putting about putting it, right? So it's Yada Ma Bechashocha. God knows what's in the darkness. Unehora ime shrei. Okay, and and, and light um, uh, dwells with him. So that means um, if you if you read it that way, then I think that. That that read is right, right? That um, uh, that there's a sort of an an, an equation between uh, darkness and knowledge or light. Right? God knows what's in the darkness, but but from our perspective, um, darkness is synonymous with not knowing. Right? That's sort of what distinguishes us from God. God knows what's in the darkness, but but darkness symbolizes for us a lack of you know what's what's not known. Um, and and the light so. dwells with God, um, so the light is it, you know light is the presence of God, right? Um, so, where did darkness come from? Well, he knows <laughs> he know, he, know, he knows he knows that the void is there, using the language of the, the verse in the Bible. It had to come from somewhere. What's that? I said, where did the darkness come from? It has to come from somewhere. It doesn't come from God. Where does it come from? Well, I guess. I don't. I don't know if it has to come from somewhere. Why does it have to come from somewhere? It's just there. Yeah. So um, you know, it brings me back to the old question, right? Uh, what came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> um, you know, I mean, like, uh, um, there's a presumption that human beings have that everything has to come from something because um, uh, because it's impossible for for something to come from nothing. Um, but I'm not positive that that's you know like impossible in the like bigger picture of what's possible um i don't know i mean you know can't things just be i don't know try to explain something that can't be explained i mean you can't the whole conversation we've had yeah several weeks now you know the essence of god i mean some things you just got to accept and, and move on we're just talking in circles today <laughs> <laughs> well we're you talking might... about the essence of the of the of the void that's what we're talking about yeah and if I mean we know today that there's black space right most of yeah 
most of whatever's out there is black space. Yeah. That's that could be the void. If you read if, if you read the first sentence in Genesis and think of the phrase the earth being unformed and void, with darkness over the surface of the deep and a and the wind from God sweeping over the water, that comes to me uh, sort of modifying the phrase when God began to create heaven and earth. There's a big dash there. Yeah. It's as if it's telling me that before God began to create heaven and earth, the earth was nothing but an unformed, was nothing, was unformed, meaning to me that exists, and void. So there's just this blackness with darkness over the surface of the deep. So there's, I guess there's water already. I, I don't know what the deep is. I associate it with water, but I don't know if that makes sense. And the wind from God sweeping over the water. <clears throat> I'll never read this sentence the same way again. <laughs> it's fascinating. Yeah. Well, listen. You know, I, I think that in a way, Franklin's right. I mean, we you know we we are we are sort of like uh, digging here in uh, in in the unknowable. Um, I think in some ways that's uh, um, that's that that might be the um, the 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 point of Genesis uh, in the first place, which is you know sort of like um, it doesn't really talk so much about uh, you know. Uh, uh, the what came before creation and what God used to create and God's motivation for creating, you know, all of those things are sort of left out. It's not interested in that stuff. Um, but the Midrash is. <laughs> you know, be, per, precisely because the Torah doesn't seem to be interested in that stuff. And that's, I think, what this Midrash is saying. This Midrash is saying that there are things not mentioned in that opening passage of Genesis that nevertheless were part of the process of creating. Right and uh, and so in particular it calls out um, uh, the you know heaven and hell or uh, wickedness and righteousness and maybe even the Messiah as things that were in God's consciousness. Uh, if you know, I'm not sure exactly what it means, which is a question that we can think about. You know, what it, what it, it doesn't say that God. Um, the Hebrew here is mitchilat briato shalom from the beginning of the creation of the world. Who gale amikata umisatrata? God reveals the uh, the the deep and uh, by the way, deep here is not the same at least word of deep that we have in um, in Genesis. That word is tehom, and this is amok, right? Uh, so uh, so anyway, it, uh, it, from the beginning of the creation of the world, God reveals the deep and the hidden. So it's not exactly that God created the deep and the hidden at the creation of the world. Um, it's not that God thought about creating the uh, deep and the hidden at the creation of the world, but rather that God reveals the deep and the hidden at the creation of the world. So in other words, there's something about the creation itself, the, the act of creating itself, that reveals those secret things. That's sort of how I'm reading it, but I'm not sure what to make of that. What do you make of that? It's not that God created those things. God reveals those things from the beginning of his creating the world. What do you make of that? God reveals those things. That makes sense. God doesn't Well, maybe the way he revealed those things was by saying, let there be light, creating light. Hmm. So, the, so the, the, the creation of light kind of exposes those things. The darkness, or, yeah. the, the void. 
said he knows light, but he didn't say he knows darkness. Right. Hmm. You know, it sort of reminds me of um, of you know a, a debate that's raging in the Star Wars community, <laughs> uh, because uh, you know because there's there's all of this you know the 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 kind of you know. Uh, uh, issue of light versus dark is a very major theme in, in Star Wars. Uh, and, you know, the, 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 um, uh, the Jedi seem to think that uh, what creates balance in the galaxy or balance in the universe is um, the pervasive presence of light and the eradication of darkness. Um, and it's not so clear that they're right about that, right? Um, and, uh, and so every time, you know... Right, it's the same discussion. You know, so that, so all of that reminds me of. I don't know if you ever saw the show on HBO called True Detective. Great show, um, but not the second season of it. The first season though has uh, uh, Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. It's really really good. It's like amazing acting, um, and like great writing. Just really deeply disturbing series. So like you gotta know that going in. Um, but the one of the very last scenes, I'm not going to spoil anything by, by, by saying this, one of the very last scenes, um, Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson are talking, and uh, I don't remember who says to whom, but one says um, that there's only one story, and that is the story of light against dark. And they're looking up the night sky, and one of them says, well, it looks to me like the dark is winning. Um, and, uh, and, and the other says, uh, well, it might appear that way, but consider the fact that there are billions more stars now, billions more points of light now than there was when the world was, when the universe was being created. So, um, so in, in looking at it from that perspective, actually light is winning, right? Light, light there's more light now than there was, um, at the, at the dawn of time. Um, so I, I, I was thinking about that with, with this, right? That there's, you know, in the, in the act of creating the world, there's, there's darkness with the imposition of light. And if you uh, look at that verse from Daniel, understood in the way that, you know, you have, you have two different interpretations. It could either mean um, heaven and hell. Uh, it could mean good and evil, right, which is sort of saying the same thing. And then Rabbi Abba Srungia comes in and says, and the light refers to the Messiah. So he, I think, is saying that the trajectory of creation is the victory of light over darkness, right? And so that's what the Messiah represents there, right? The light is with God, right? So ultimately, God's light will pervade over everything. Right, that's the you know kind of symbolized by the figure of the Messiah. Um, that sounds nice. Yeah. Well, the, and and we can end on this because it's because it's Martin Luther King Jr. Day, right? Right. It sounds to me like his famous saying that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. Right. So that that uh, that you know who knows how long this span of human history is going to be, but the place we are, you know, the the, the gravitational force to which all things tend. Uh, is toward you know more justice, more inclusion, more goodness. Um, whether or not that's true, I, I don't know, right? Uh, there's a certain amount of you know faith that comes along with with that statement. Um, you could have started with that that sentence. Could have. Because the question then becomes, what do we equate in Genesis first sentence with the concept of universe? Is universe heaven 
Mm. Or is it the darkness? Or is it both? We don't know. Um, you know, because if, if because the, what Woody Harrelson or somebody said was, you know, there's all this other stuff out there that you just can't see right now. Right. Um, maybe that is the universe. That's what he meant, I think. But here, there must be some way to um, to interweave that concept. I mean, my idea is that this is sort of a timeless book. Yeah. So somebody's going to have to try to figure out how to interweave the universe into the Genesis. <laughs> uh, so what, what I would recommend, and, and uh, um, we're in talks actually to, to bring him here, so, uh, so maybe we will. Um, uh, Danny Matt, Daniel Matt, uh, is uh, probably the world's foremost Kabbalah scholar, Jewish mysticism scholar, Zohar scholar. Um, and he wrote a book called uh, Kabbalah and the Big Bang. Um, uh, so I think he's probably the person to, to answer that question, right? To sort of like say, you know, to read Genesis in light of what we know about contemporary, you know, astrophysics and, uh, and cosmology. Because um, I think, and if you look at that book, I mean, like, I think he, he does a good job of that um, in, in a way that's not, you know, trying to impose on the Bible something that the Bible could never have envisioned or me meant, right? I don't think that the Bible... Um, you know, knew what we know about the origins of the cosmos, um, but I but I do think it re it reveals um, uh, uh, deep and wise truths that it's astonishing that they were able to kind of intuit without knowing what we know. Um, so, or that it's at least able to be harmonious with it, right? In 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 the way we want to, the way we interpret it. And we were saying this last time that, you know, the, the, I, I'm pretty sure that the authors of the Bible, when they talked about God creating heavens and earth, they were literally talking about this blue ball that we're on. You probably didn't even think it was a ball, right? But this, right, right. That, that this was the universe, right? Uh, and that, you know, the stars you see in the sky was all attached in some way to, to, to this, the moon and the sun. You look at Genesis, read it literally, right? And for, you know, centuries, this, that's what people thought, you know, so much so that the Catholic Church you know, executed people who suggested otherwise, right? Um, so, you know, that the sun would, revolved around the earth and was attached to the earth. And, um, but, uh, you know, one of the, I think, beauties of the, of the text is that it doesn't, you know, I mean, it, it stands up to a reimagining or reinterpretation, you know, new information. You don't have to read it that way.